Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by VCR Now. Are you looking for an opportunity to captivate and enhance the experience of those who visit your stadium, arena, house of worship, or business? VCR Now can help you achieve that goal with a total experience. VCR Now is a technology organization that can fulfill your LED, audio, video, lighting, networking, security, and infrastructure dreams. Visit VCRNow.com to learn more. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Inc. Magazine, TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all of the places, or you'll show us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorps. She's Miss 305. She's Ashley Pickle. Yo. Howdy. Yo, yo, indeed. Yo, indeed. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022, 352 days until Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Giannis Antetokounmpo, whose shoes I'm wearing right now. I was going to say, is that, oh, that makes sense. I, uh, that is an accident. I promise you that is a happy accident. <laughs> I just happened to be wearing my Giannis's, my Giannis Immortalities, and, uh, and it's his birthday. Happy birthday to the Greek Freak. Episode 1512? 1,511? 11. 1,511. On today's show, folks, we're going to catch up on the college football coaching carousel here in the state of Texas. We have had two um, vacancies, um, one of which has been filled, one of one of which was a surprise and one of which was not. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll be joined by the Hall of Famer, Craig Way, as we do every Tuesday. I believe he's coming to us from a very, um, um, a very special location. At least he told me he was going to. He hasn't replied to my text. I oh. genuinely don't know where that's at. Okay. So I'll be interested we'll to hear. We'll hear from Craig Webb, uh, talk all things state semifinals, and then the very end of the show, we'll be announcing the 10 finalists for the 2022 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. So we will be uh, narrowing it down to 10 and, leave, and opening up the voting for you, our fans. So uh, stay tuned for that. Do we have first four through the door? Yes. Why, why'd you say it like well, that? Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um... Gus Garza, Jeremy Knight, Coach Terry Crawford, state championship bound, and Matt. Welcome. Matt? Matt. Just Matt. M-A-T-T, Matt. <laughs> Welcome in, the, fellas. There's no no last name? No, it's just Matt. He And and his comment was Taco Tuesday, which is exceptional. Boy, um, uh, Matt's welcome in, in Matt. Gotta, gotta tell you, Matt's in the lead for He's listener of the day. Sorry, like y'all, all, all the rest yeah, of y'all came boy, in second. That's, a, that's, a, that's an early strong showing from the man with no last name. Um, no, I was confused because there, uh, there was also 
69xx.life was spamming us. Oh, nice. Hot girls here with a lot Ooh. of emojis. So I was trying to... Could you, could you forward me that text? No. I was trying to report them, and I did figure out that <laughs> there's a button on here I can click that says, put user in timeout. Y'all better watch oh, out, because wow. I'm about to be putting a lot yeah. of you in timeout. Oh, no. I found that out, and that's why I was laughing. Put user in timeout. Oh, wow. She's cracking the knuckles. <laughs> okay. Don't guys, don't your, twist my arm. Be on your best behavior, folks. Yeah, I found out I can put you fools in timeout. <laughs> All right, Pickle. Let's talk a little bit about the college football coaching carousel, and we will go in chronological order of the way that all of these things happened. So we will start a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of weeks ago, um, Texas State became the first Texas FBS team to have a coaching vacancy, as Jake Spavital was fired as the head coach at Texas State. He was fired on November twenty seventh. Um, that is after four seasons, um, where they went thirteen and thirty five overall, nine and twenty three in, in the Sun Belt, um. This is ultimately, ultimately, I think what ended up dooming Jake Spavital was he took a big swing. Whenever COVID came around, I think that he looked around and said, all right, this is an opportunity to try to leverage the transfer portal for our best efforts. I think he you, you see this you see this a decent amount and, and it, it used to be that it would be just JUCO transfers mm -hmm. that it would be we need to get old quickly so we're going to go and pick up a bunch of JUCO transfers. Mm -hmm. He kind of took that to the nth degree in the new normal of the um, of the transfer portal and say we're going to grab a bunch of guys out of the portal. Mm -hmm. And there is a certain element that I think I I understand. SMU and, does a really good job with that in the sense that. I think his thought was, and I don't want to speak for Coach Spavital, I think his thought was, why would I go and recruit these players from high school if once they get pretty good, they're just going to transfer out anyway? Mm -hmm. Why would I become a farm system for other teams? Yep. And there's some val there's some validation in that, and I think that's, that speaks to a larger issue that we have with the haves and the have-nots in, in college football. But in the end, it didn't work. And, and, and one of two things has to happen if you're going to go that way. Either, either you have to win or you have to backpedal and try to, or, and you have to try to, uh, you know, repair the relationships. Because one of the things that, that it did was I think it did not help him on the recruiting trail with Texas high school football coaches. Oh, you're the guy who doesn't come and recruit our guys. Mm -hmm. You're the guy who just goes to the portal. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but I think it's the reality of the situation. And the other thing is that he didn't win. Like, I know, I know it's, it's, it's too cute by half, but he had four seasons and he won 13 games. I'm going to be real honest that I think the most detrimental part of his entire thing, and I know that it put him in a tough situation, but his defense was always so bad, and that was under his brother's that's watch. That's part of it. And I've I just think that when we finally started to see that offense pick up a little bit, we never once saw the defense to start picking up. And it's almost one of those things that I, it's your brother and that's what you run the risk of hiring him. But I think that was the biggest. I downfall. think that's, I, I think that's part of it. 
I think that overall they just never found any sort of consistency, never never any sort of identity. Like you can say that like there are programs out there that may not necessarily be getting the wins, but they have an identity. And Texas State didn't have the wins or the identity. They were kind of like, what are we going to be this year? And so that's problematic. So they fired Jake Spavitol after four years. It was then reported exclusively by our own Mike Craven and Ishmael Johnson that Texas State on December 1st was planning to hire G.J. Kinney. G.J. Kinney, the head coach at Incarnate Word. Um, he is in his first year as the head coach at Incarnate Word. Um, he's He is... Uh, he is a former, I think it's worth mentioning, mm-hmm. a former Dave Campbell's Texas football cover boy. Yep. He was on the cover with Earl Campbell and all those other high school quarterbacks when he was playing at Gilmer. Uh, a record-setting quarterback at, at, at Gilmer under coach Jeff Trailer, which is rather interesting. Um, he is known as an offensive whiz kid. He's known as kind of a hot young name. He was on the 40, on our, our 40 under 40 in the Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine. Um, he took over for Eric Morris when Eric Morris left to go take the job as Washington State offensive coordinator. Um, from what we understand, the other names in the mix were Morris and Casey Keeler, the Sam Houston head coach. Uh, but in the end, it was it goes to G.J. Kinney. Now, there's a risk here, certainly, because he's only got one year of head coaching experience. And he's actually still in his first year of head coaching experience. Mm -hmm. In a very strange scenario, he got announced as the Texas State head coach, then went and coached Incarnate Word in the FCS playoffs on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and then went to, like, Texas State and did, like, photo photo shoots. photo shoot and was at the basketball game that night. Did the basketball game, did, like, kind of the PR rounds. And then he went back to Incarnate Word to game plan for the game this week. Yeah, they're into the third round of the playoffs. He's 33. He is now the youngest head coach in Texas, uh, youngest FBS coach in Texas. And um, he's a guy who, who was uh, an assistant under Chad Morris at SMU. He went to Arkansas with, with Chad Morris before he was an analyst for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was offensive coordinator at Hawaii before going and being offensive coordinator at UCF before getting the head coaching job at Incarnate Word. The offensive bona fides are there. He is an offensive whiz. And I think that what Texas State is looking for out of him is kind of what they, they've they been waiting for for a while, which is get that quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like what he's doing with Lindsey Scott Jr., I think at Incarnate Word, I think is what they're expecting him to do at Texas State. Get us a quarterback. Because at the G5 level, in the Sun Belt, if you got a QB, you got a chance. And Texas State, just plain and simple, hasn't had that quarterback. So the question is going to be, can he find that quarterback and can he develop him and get things going in that direction? Uh, I will be very interested to see who they hire from a defensive coordinator perspective. Uh, I think that'll be critical uh, to the holistic nature of the program. But the one thing is, like, think about the last three hires, right, of FBS coaches in in the state of Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. Sonny Dykes at TCU. I know it was at SMU, but there. Rhett Lashley at at SMU. And then, um, and now G.J. Kinney. All of them have Texas bona fides. Mm -hmm. All of them. Lashley is probably the 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 most Least, of an exception, yeah. but I think he's still known. He had been within the program and, and at SMU mm-hmm. for long enough to understand that he's got those he's got those those ties. So that's the real coin of the realm here is, or do you have those Texas ties? We'll see how it works out for GJ Kinney 
uh, there as he is the new head coach. And one, the other thing is, there's a guy who went and 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 played for Tulsa, right? Yep. Or he he he, he so his first year at Texas transferred to Tulsa, where he was a pretty darn good quarterback. He had a couple of years in the couple five years in the, uh, in, in the NFL, um, played in the CFL. Tulsa had a coaching opening as well. Yeah, and that was the hot rumor for a long time was that he, he was, was about a natural to fit there. for Tulsa. Now I don't know who told who no, mm-hmm. but I think that's interesting. Anyway, that is uh, that's what's going on at Texas State. So now Incarnate Word is open. We do have a uh, a list up there from our own uh, Mike Craven of some names that could be connected to the Incarnate Word job. Um, Ryan Cardi is a name to know. Um, uh, Ephraim Banda, the D- Utah uh, State defensive coordinator, is a name to know uh, as well. He played in Incarnate Word. Um, so keep an eye on all of them. So mm-hmm. there you go. We got that up on Texas football. He won't have to move far. That's for sure. A couple miles. <laughs> that's right. And then there was Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And Sunday night, kind of as a lightning bolt out of the blue, we got word that North Texas had fired Seth Luttrell mm-hmm. at, 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 after seven seasons. Now, it's worth mentioning that the, that the Jake Spavital firing at Texas State, I hate to say it, not really a surprise. We had been hearing things for weeks about, hey, listen, this is probably going to be it for Jake Spavital, especially after, after it became clear they weren't going to make a bowl. Um, then I think they were like, all right, this is going to do it for him. For North Texas... Early in the year, we were hearing rumblings, and then they started winning, and those rumblings went away, and the word we got was he was pretty safe. He was pretty safe. Seth Luttrell was. He was going to get another year. It's really interesting that Seth Luttrell gets fired for a couple of reasons. One, they did just play in the Conference USA Championship game. Which has an asterisk by it. Did they a play, little bit. Did they play in the Conference USA title game or not? They did. You all, you know, you like like you either do or don't, and and that is, I think, a an achievement that he can hang his hat on, right? So there's that. The other interesting thing about this, North Texas doesn't have an athletic director right now. Mm-hmm. North Texas is look Seth Luttrell's boss right now is an empty chair. <laughs> like, it's not, but you know what I mean. His direct report is a, is an empty chair because Ren Baker left to go take the athletic director job at West Virginia. So they're looking for an athletic director right now, and that was another reason why we were thinking, okay, Seth Luttrell is probably going to be safe, at least for now. Maybe when the new AD gets hired, they bring in a they bring they say you know what I want to bring in my own guy I'm going to ditch Seth Luttrell bring in their own guy but that figured it was going to come after an athletic director hire instead it sounds like and I know you have closer ties to North Texas than I do it sounds like this was the president's call it was it was Neil Samatris's call the president of the university which is exactly why I wasn't as shocked I guess as the rest of everyone seemed to be mm-hmm. um from my take on it, I thought all year long that this was inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I think I was shocked that it came before the bowl game, but mm-hmm. I was not shocked that it happened. Say what you will about 
all of this. Seth Luttrell was a great head coach for North Texas. I'm not denying that at all. I was I was there during the pinnacle of those three years, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun. It what he did for the program was great, but I also the second knew, winningest coach in program history. I also knew that from my interpretation, it was realistically Ren Baker was the one really putting up the fight for him and putting up the shields. The mm-hmm. donors weren't super happy, I don't think. I don't think the administration was super happy. Um, and so with Rin leaving, I did wonder, was this going to speed up the process a little bit of doing this? You have to look at it from an aspect of they're going into the American Athletic Conference, and I just didn't see a way with how a lot of the important people felt about him and what had happened. I didn't see a way that they wouldn't, start to wipe the slate clean especially when the news that Ren let was leaving then it was like okay this might seem a little bit and the I know work is gone yeah and I know that there is a lot of opinion of there being unrealistic expectations and blah 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 and I'm not denying that at all but I think that their reason if you want what I think that the reasoning behind it was is you can look at it like a normal job here you have a goal and you surpass it for three four years well that puts a higher standard into place then maybe you have an off year okay but the goal is to kind of get that back up to what it was and I think that the biggest downfall for Seth Luttrell in my mind was the fact that the recruiting didn't seem to always be at the head of his forte, especially when you're in the talent-rich part of DFW. You have to be better at keeping those kids in your own backyard, and Mm -hmm. I felt like that always wasn't necessarily there. Um, And then you go, and we played a couple of AAC teams, and we got absolutely blown out. So it's kind of one of those things that I didn't see it as a surprise that they let him go. I I really genuinely did not. I think if before the season you had told me that Seth Luttrell was going to be fired at the end of the season, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I think he was on the hot seat last year before that late flurry mm-hmm. that got them to a bowl game um, and probably saved his job for a year there. I think that the details and context of it makes it a little more baffling simply because they're like – who fired him? You know what I mean? Like the pre- like th- this doesn't happen. The president doesn't come and fire the the football coach. That just doesn't happen. But it sounds like this president, Neil Smastrick, Smastrick, is pretty involved in athletics. He is very involved in athletics. So that's why that's the the main reason why it didn't surprise me as much. So he finishes forty four and forty four, as his uh after his, his uh seven seasons as head coach. He's the second winningest coach in in uh, North Texas history, and. I think two things can be true. I think Seth Luttrell is probably the second best coach, at least in the modern era of North Texas football. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a coach that I'm just patently unfamiliar with, Otis Mitchell, who had like it was the winningest coach. He went 69, 63, 14 years from the 50s and 60s. As far as the modern era is concerned, in my opinion, it's him and Hayden and him and Hayden Fry. Fry. Yep, absolutely. Those are the two. I think that can be true, mm-hmm. and I can also say that I think that. At North Texas, they want the standard to be higher. Mm-hmm. I think there are people who are there are powerful people who are investing in the program more now and demand more results, and they want to be a G five power. Is that realistic? 
I think there's a healthy debate to be had in the offseason about whether or not that's realistic. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly what the powerful people want. Well, and they see, want they want the bar they want the tide to be raised. Right, and I, I I think that you're spot on with both of those points, and I think that that's why a lot of other stuff that I've heard, like I know Craven had said that he has never heard of a fan base being so obsessed with bowl wins or postseason wins, if you want to call it. North Texas is zero and seven in that in under the Seth Luttrell era I have been at both conference championships and we have gotten our doors blown off this one was the most competitive one against UTSA and then I think that that's a thing yes how much stock do bowl games hold not a lot but you have to start balancing out one or the other if nine wins is the standard that uh, the unrealistic standard that people want to set then if you're going to continue to be a seven and five or a six and six you have to go into a bowl game and actually be competitive Mm -hmm. and I think that the reason why North Texas fans are so obsessed with that postseason statistic with Seth never winning anything was it wasn't even the fact that they walked up and it was competitive they got their doors blown off in every single postseason game that they ever played in. Absolutely destroyed in every single one. And I think that that's part of you've got to do one or the other. If you're going to go seven and five, that's fine. Go out there and at least be competitive in the bowl game. So um, we've got a piece up on TexasFootball.com with five names or six names, I think, to know. Uh, candidates to replace Seth Luttrell. Garrett Riley, the TCU offensive coordinator. Uh, Graham Harrell is a North Texas favorite. Everyone loves Graham Harrell. They do. He was the OC when Mason was there. It's because he's handsome. Also uh, that. Uh, and TFT zone. Um, Emmett Jones, uh, the f- uh, a former Texas high school football coach, who's now on the staff at uh, uh, now at the staff at uh, J- with Joey McGuire at Tech. Kenny Perry, who's also on the uh, former Texas high school football coach, do it on the staff at at, uh, at uh, Texas Tech. Joe Gillespie is a name to know. Um, mm-hmm. He is uh, he's part of uh, Saint Dykes' staff over there at TCU. And then Justin Fuente, who was a TCU uh, offensive coordinator before he went to Memphis, before he had a kind of an un uh, un unflattering run at Virginia Tech. So those are a few names to know there for North Texas. We'll, of course, have complete coverage at TexasFootball.com. Our our guys are working the phones, I'll tell you that much. So subscribe to Republic of Football. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at TCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Now a word from our friends at VCR Now. Born and bred in Texas hits a little different, as it should. Texas loves doing business with fellow Texans. VCR Now takes its Texas roots as seriously as its many partnerships with schools and universities around the state. It's also why we're so proud to promote our brand in the pages of the Texas Bible, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and on the airwaves of Texas Football Today. Driven by producing quality broadcast video, state-of-the-art audio, and LED video scoreboards at affordable prices, VCR Now makes sure to listen to your needs in its athletic department before recommending the next best steps. Building great products is our business, and it's our focus on building meaningful long-term partnerships with our clients that sets us apart. From our 24-7, 365-day help desk, the training lab in our hometown of Red Oak, or our sports marketing business plan that puts money back in the hands of our athletic departments we support, VCR Now is built to last. Reach out to us today at info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Again, that's info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. 
Tuesday, which means Tuesdays. we are pleased to be joined for the final time this season. Aww. I know. By the Hall of Famer. Uh, you can hear him on the Horn in Austin every weekday from 10 to noon with Jeff Howe on Light the Tower. You can see him on High School Scoreboard Live on Valley Sports Southwest, of course, the voice of the Texas Longhorns. We're joined by the great Craig Way. And Craig, why don't you tell people where you are right now? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm at what is referred to, I don't know that everybody on earth would agree with it, but certainly up here they do. The world's most famous arena is what they call it. It's Madison Square Garden in New York. Uh, there is a college basketball game tonight between number two Texas and number 17 Illinois in the Jimmy V Classic. And that's all well and good. I, I look at it this week, Tep, as being this game is a really good palate cleanser for them going back to the heavyweight stuff of the week, the state semifinals. Yes, yes. You know, so, so it's it's good. And, and and if this is to be my last pop on with you guys, we better make it we better make it worth worthy, right? We better make it worthwhile, make yes. it stick. So this is true. you know, you. although you won't see the end of me yet because we have more work to do together still on the TV side. We've got plenty of stuff. We, we will be seeing and talking to each other plenty over the next 10 days or so, Craig. Um, yeah. Okay, I want to go back to, to the state sem- to, to the, the regional final weekend. And we mentioned off the top uh, of last week that there were 12 rematches of games that we had already seen in the regional finals and then the six-man state semifinals there with, with Happy and Westbrook. Um of those 12, only three teams avenged that that a, a earlier defeat to their previous opponent. Uh, it was Vandegrift beating Tripping Springs. It was Port Natures Groves uh, beating Marshall. And it was Malakoff beating Grandview. So only three of the 12 avenged that loss. Can we put to rest the notion of it's hard to beat a good team twice? Because it kind of seems like in Texas high school football, it's happening more often than not. Yeah, and and especially I think it can be overplayed when you're talking about two of those three you mentioned were non-district matchups very early in the season. Uh, certainly, uh, you know when you when you think about the fact that uh, you know Malakoff and, and Grandview that was a non-district game like they do every year. You know it's it's kind of getting like USC and Notre Dame, right? They those two play every year, and Vandegrift and Dripping Springs played a classic in the season opener back on August 27th, only to be exceeded by the classic they played last Friday night. But you're right. I mean, really good teams, if they know, sometimes, like I said, it's the devil you know and and teams that you can handle. And in the case of the, the game that uh, I called with Shea Walker, I mean, North Shore was uber impressive in uh, in dismantling a really good Atascacita team. Don't take anything away from Craig Stump's team, but, but North Shore did what they had to do, and they kind of largely dominated the game. So we've now made it to the state semifinals. There are 40 teams left, 20 teams get to punch their ticket to AT&T Stadium this week. I think, in my opinion, there are three teams that I would categorize as maybe not Cinderella's, but certainly surprises to be here. I, I want to get your read on which one you think is the most surprising. Is it in 2A Division Two with New Home? Is it in 3A Division Two with Harmony? Or is it in 5A Division Two? With Port Nature's Groves, which of those three teams are you most shocked to be seeing here uh, in in mid December? You know, since uh, I'm in New York City, uh-huh. uh, this is a city that that there was a lot of in the late '50s and early '60s. 
they had a lot of the elevated jazz scene coming upon it. I always think of that that one jazz guy who's always singing. He put words to a jazz riff, and it went over and over. Melody, harmony, harmony, melody, melody, <laughs> melody harmony. It's harmony. <laughs> for, for, for that team to have the start they did, the stumbles that they did, and, and yet turn it around and then get to five and five, good enough to get them into the playoffs and get on a roll, uh, the Eagles have been most surprising. And, and 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 I know exactly why you omitted this other team I'm going to mention from the list. Mm-hmm. But, hey, tip of the hat to Brock for getting off yes. the deck at 0-4. Weren't they your, your preseason choice to win it? Yes, they were. And Yeah, and, and getting off the deck at 0-4. And they played a tough non-district schedule, as we know. And we chronicled that on Saturday night. Uh, you know, uh, Wimberley was one of the teams, and they're a final four. I mean, they played a really tough non-district schedule. But Harmony, I think, has to be the biggest surprise. I would think not only because of what they did to get to this point, but the the – eyebrow-raising results they've had to beat some of the teams they've had to beat, most notably in the last two weeks, West Rusk, followed by Newton, I think is most impressive. Talking with Craig Way, the Texas High School Hall of Famer here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation in hashtag TF Today. I want to go back to Port Nature's Groves and specifically their state semifinal matchup with Liberty Hill. Um, I I am of the opinion, I was I was scripting my picks video yesterday, and, and I got to this game, PNG and Liberty Hill, and I just kept scratching my head and agonizing over it uh, with PNG and 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 the and the Panthers, and part of it is because of the injury situation on on Liberty Hill, which I think can only be described as freakish. Um, do you quite yet have a read on this uh, on this this matchup of purple powers here in the five A Division two, uh, you know, semifinals between PNG and, and Liberty Hill? Yeah, there'll be some purple passion there uh, on on spilled out onto the field. It it is unique. Uh, I I here's here's what I think. Uh, I think that PNG is going to be able to move the football on Liberty Hill, even in some of their most impressive wins this season. The Panthers have given up yards on the ground and through the air, and I do think the Indians will be able to move the football. Now, here's the wrinkle about Liberty Hill, as you pointed out. What a bizarre injury situation when they lose Noah Long and Joe Pitchford on the same play on their opening drive down at the goal line. They both go down on the same play with broken collarbones, a scoop and score that goes back the other way, 99 yards. And then Liberty Hill turns around and puts 63 on them. And they had seven or eight different rushers in the ball game. They rushed for what something like 560 yards. They, truly have one of the uh, popular overused phrases that we in the media like to use is stable stable a running back stable a receiver stable a quarterback they got a stable Mm -hmm. and and they've got several different guys who can carry the football for them so life goes on and that offensive line anchored by the center jackson harrison uh and hudson stillwell uh, on the offensive front those guys are the ones plowing the field for this bevy of running backs that uh, Kent Walker continues to toss out. This is a fascinating matchup between these two. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, about uh, what I perceive to be the main event um, and and what I think is uh, the the biggest showdown of the weekend, and that's three o'clock Saturday in Houston at Rice Stadium uh, in a in a title unification bout between Austin Westlake and Galena Park North Shore. Now you are obviously intimately familiar with Westlake down there in the in the, in the Austin area. I know you just called North Shore uh, the the game with their their romp over a Um 
first, I guess two questions. One, is this your main event of the weekend? And two, do you have quite yet a, a read on what matchups maybe you are most intrigued with uh, in this showdown? I do think it's kind of the main event, if only because we've been pointing to it for weeks and because of the state championship pedigree. Mm -hmm. Here's North Shore having won three out of the last four. Here's Westlake having won three in a row. Uh, they they were on the collision course a couple of years ago with, with Westlake uh, winning in the semifinal round. Remember, North Shore beat Westlake back in 2015. So they each have high-quality wins against one another, as well as what they've done deep in their playoff runs. Massive respect for both programs. Uh, Westlake has just gone seamlessly in the transition from Todd Dodge to Tony Salazar. And, uh, and North Shore has been a gold standard under John Kay. What The, the things he's done has been, has, has been tremendous. I, I do think this, uh, a lot of it will come down to um, Westlake's defense has just been on fire. And how will they do against David Amador with the way that he engineers that offense? If they need him to run, he runs. If they need him to throw, he's on the money. If they need him to flex out as a receiver, he can do that too. Uh, that, neutralizing him is a big part of what Westlake will have to do on the offensive side. Now, I will tell you this, uh, you know, Westlake has, has changed quarterbacks. They went from Paxton Land, who got injured early, uh, and and to Brett Skinner, and then back to Land, and then back to Skinner, and they've, they've gone back and forth. But the key to that attack is Jack Kaiser, their diminutive running back. And behind that big Westlake offensive front, can they uh, do what Kansas State does with the Deuce Vaughn effect, where you get a more diminutive back being able to hide behind the pads of the offensive line and be able to break through? Largely, they've been able to do that. This North Shore defense will be without question and not even close tap the best defense they've seen this season they've seen some good ones this will easily be the best defense they've seen best defensive line a fastest linebackers and the secondary is just dynamite so that that's where these tests are going to come and then we're going to see what the condition of Jaden greathouse is he's had the injured hamstring he warmed up last week but did not play for Westlake, is he able to go this week? We'll find out. That that could be a big factor as well. So, um, oh, and, and, and it might rain. <laughs> you know, the, the, the coaches, the the, uh, the the coaches at uh, John Kay at North Shore and Craig Stump of the Task Casita both wanted to flip as they and we know it's the zip code derby that they do in the in the coaching directory, but they wanted to put Rice Stadium up, not NRG. So it winds up being at Rice Stadium, and at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, there's a 40% chance of rain. And, and as we all know, 40% chance of rain means in Houston probably about 75%. So there's a decent chance there, there could be some rain in that game at Rice Stadium on Saturday. So, so then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very rude, and I'm going to take away that game. Westlake and okay. North Shore is off the table, but you have 19 other state semifinals that you can teleport to this week. You can only pick one. Which one is Craig Way heading to? Wow. Um, <laughs> this is not a cop-out answer. Here we go. But, but I think it's the one I'm calling Friday night. Mm. I think it's Argyle and South Oak Cliff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I, they canvassed our opinion on what we thought 
uh, might be the best Friday game to call because Valley Sports Southwest had had uh, the way it was formatted and, and designed. It needed to be a Friday game, not a Saturday game this week. So it was like, what is the best Friday game? And you and I talked about it. And, you know, PNG and Liberty Hill is a great matchup. There's some other tremendous matchups, I think, as well in the lower classifications. But I think it's Argyle and South Oak Cliff. I, th- I think we're going to, uh, you know, you, you have the number one team in the state against the defending state champion in 5A D2. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. He's Craig Way. He's the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. You can hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday from 10 to noon on Light the Tower. You can see him on Valley Sports Southwest on High School Scoreboard Live on Saturday and then all over the state championship games next week on Valley Sports Southwest. Craig, we appreciate your time, my friend. Have a great call tonight and uh, enjoy New York. You know, I was sitting here in the press room. I expect at any moment some guy to come walking in trying to you know, shush me or something. Go, hey, hey, I'm on the air here. I'm talking. Oh, oh, but it's okay. Perfect, Greg. We'll we'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, we'll see. You. There he goes, Craig White, the Texas High School Hall of Famer. Man, New York Craig is fun, Craig. New York Craig. That's next level, Craig. New York Craig. Yeah, the Bronx Craig. Bronx right. Craig. Hashtag Bronx Craig. Hashtag Bronx Craig. We need someone to call into the ticket and be Bronx Craig. Get it? Uh, yeah, get it. Uh, get it trending, folks. We uh, <laughs> we we've got to get that going. Uh, so. We appreciate Craig White hopping on with us, as usual. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We got another thing to do, I know and it's do. exciting. Yeah, let's make some friends. <clears throat> so, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the leading publication for all things football in the state of Texas and the Tax Act Texas Bowl, are proud to announce the 10 finalists for the Mr. Texas Football High School Player of the Year Award presented by Kroger. As a longtime partner of the Tax Act Texas Bowl and a proud supporter of Texas high school football, Kroger is teaming up with Mr. Texas Football as this year's, as the awards presenting partner this year. Mr. Texas Football annually recognizes the most outstanding high school football player in the state of Texas. Each week, fans are given a chance to vote for the player of the week on TexasFootball.com. Voting for the player of the year ends at midnight on December 20th. That is, so it's really 11.59 p.m. on December 20th. I should be clear. Uh, And the winner of the 2022 Mr. Texas Football uh, Player of the Year Award presented by Kroger will be announced prior to the Tax Act Texas Bowl, which will be played at NRG Stadium on December 28th, 2022. Featuring the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the Ole Miss Rebels. Last week, we unveiled the 25 semifinalists. That was hard enough. Now we've got to narrow it down to 10 finalists. And remember, you can vote for who you think should be the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year at TexasFootball.com. Without further ado, the 10 finalists for the 2022 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. Starting with China Spring quarterback Cash McCollum. Denton Geyer quarterback Jackson Arnold, Dripping Springs quarterback, Austin Novosad, El Campo running back, Ruben Owens, Shiner running back, Dalton Brooks, DeSoto wide receiver, Jontae Cook, Silsby wide receiver, Draylon Miller, Austin Westlake defensive end, Colton Vosek, Galena Park North Shore athlete, David Amador, and Timpson athlete, Terry Bussey. There they are the 10 finalists for the 2022 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award presented 
by Kroger. You can vote on TexasFootball.com for who you think should be the 2022 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. It'll be announced prior to the Texas Bowl on uh, December 28th, the Tax Act Texas Bowl on December 28th at NRG Stadium. We knew it was going to be a crazy list, but like mm-hmm. now that you have it like literally sitting in front of you, that is a I mean that's it's a star-studded list. That's insane. It's a star-studded list. It's good list. every year, but I mean this is this silly. is like I mean and nationally and, 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 and that's the thing. That it's just good. so it's so hard to narrow this down, guys. I promise you, like I promise you, it is like the hardest thing we do every year. Yes. Um, because these, I mean this in the cover. There's no. It, two it more is. tough decisions that we make. These are this is this is the most difficult, like one of the most difficult things we do. And, and this, the sample size is so much bigger that it, it is. probably is harder than choosing a cover. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it stinks. <laughs> but uh, but it's obviously something we're excited about. Uh, the 2022 Mister Textball Player of the Year Award presented by Kroger. The ten finalists there: China Spring quarterback Cash McCollum, Denton Geyer quarterback Jackson Arnold, Dripping Springs quarterback Austin Novosad. Uh, El Campo running back Ruben Owens, Shiner running back Dalton Brooks, DeSoto wide receiver John Tay Cook, rather, uh, Silsby wide receiver Draylon Miller, Austin Westlake defensive end Colton Vosek, Galena Park North Shore athlete David Amador, and Timpson athlete Terry Bussey. Vote on TexasFootball.com for who you think should be the 2022 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. Now let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, we'll announce another thing that I have no idea if we're allowed to actually announce or not, but we'll, right. we'll do it. Sure. Um, the, we can we're, say we're working on it. I don't know if it's, if, if it's locked and loaded right now, but we can say that we're definitely working on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we are planning to do the subscriber meetup at UIL State Football again this year. Subscriber if you remember, breakfast, yeah. Uh, I think this will be our third one. We started in 2019, took off the COVID year, and then started it again last mm-hmm. year, 2021. Um, but we usually do it the Saturday of state championships before the before the big the big teams play um, at Texas Live, which is if you're not familiar with where it is, it's connected to Globe Life Field, yes. which is right across the street from AT and T Stadium. So if you are a subscriber, be looking in your email. I know we are drafting it now um, for a link to sign up to come to the subscriber meetup. The entire Dave Campbell's team and those uh, who will be joining us from Dave Campbell's Texan Live will be there, and you can meet. Talk, eat, mm-hmm. have fun. It'll be fun. So we hope you will. Uh, we hope you will join us uh, there. Uh, that's coming up next week. Big week ahead. So um, it's crazy. I guess tomorrow we'll do the top ten plays of the week, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that tomorrow. It's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com/slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to the Hall of Famer Craig Way for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.